Last week, we went deep on job postings. This week, we'll talk about other kinds of content. What? Oh, wait, you didn't realize that job postings were content? Oh, they're absolutely content. The problem with content is that, well, for most of us, there's so many different kinds of content we can use. And the question is, what should we use? Well, that's the question we're going to try to answer in this episode. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, James Ellis here. Thanks so much for being here at the Talent Cast. It's season two, which means this is the podcast of the audiobook of the update of the physical book, Talent Chooses You. Yeah, I don't understand it either, but here we are and it seems to be working. The entire project is brought to you by RecruitmentMarketing.com, a community of recruitment marketing professionals. If you sign up, not only do you get access to all sorts of great content, you can sign up for an Ask Me Anything, which is a place where you can ask me anything. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? That's okay. I don't, oh, anyway, just trying to make sure it's clear. Recruitmentmarketing.com is where you can sign up for them. They have sponsored the entire season and thanks to them. Also, I have a newsletter, Employer Brand Headlines. So if you'd like to stay sharp on employer branding, that's the way to do it. It lands in your inbox every Monday morning. Just go to employerbrandheadlines.substack.com or employerbrand.news and sign up today. So let's talk about content. What content should you use? Well, you'll probably need a map. So in 10th grade health class, I learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and chances are you did too. It's this pyramid thing, right, that said while you might want food and sex and happiness, you're going to have to deal with that tiger trying to eat you first. There's a hierarchy of things that humans need and want. You can't just search for a comfy place to call your own when you're starving to death. Right? So you have to kind of get the base stuff done first. If I made and delivered an amazing meal to you while you were sleep deprived, nothing I could do to convince you to eat. Right? You just, it's just what the hierarchy says. You'd fall asleep into that bowl of French onion soup no matter how well aged that gruyere was. Put another way, context dictates need. Simple as that. Right? The context determines what they want to see, what they want to read, and what you should be building. Now, you can't know what content to deliver a candidate that's going to engage and interest and encourage them to apply until you know what their context is. So let's put the kind of things a candidate would want to learn in the order they should want to learn them, right? Let's put them in a hierarchy so that you can get them the right things they need and not waste their time on stuff they don't. So here's the order. This is kind of a bit of a, a broad statement, but it starts with the company or brand. Now, as we've talked about before, the brand trumps the role. The best opportunity in the world at a company you hate isn't an opportunity. So as a prospect, someone's going to want to know if that company is acceptable on whatever level and whatever measure they use to define acceptable. I mean, at least as acceptable enough to learn more about it. Maybe they don't know much about that company. Maybe they're indifferent to that company. It's good to know. They have to know that before they can move to the next step, which is job location. If they can't get to the job, if the commute is overwhelming, if they have to move to a city they would hate to live in, that job isn't really an opportunity. Is there a coffee? Is there a restaurant nearby? Can you bike to work? Can you walk to work? Can you bus there? Do you have to drive? What's the parking cost? All these criteria, these first two big sections of brand, company, or location are all about filtering out the roles that are on their face, bad matches. In a world that you know has millions of jobs open, depending on your job board, and honestly, if you just open a search and call it worldwide, you'd be amazed at what you can find. Candidates don't need to find a job. 
What they need to do is get rid of jobs they would never take. And once they filter out obvious bad fits, that's when the search process for them shifts. Now, a lot of this stuff happens at the search bar, right? They don't just search nurse. They search a specific kind of nurse. Maybe they search a hospital or maybe a clinic, whatever kind of situation they want to be in. And maybe they put the city they want to be in. They're determining the company brand and the location pretty much off the bat. After that comes the job itself. Now, what is the job? Can they do the job? Is this the job at the right level where they can expect enough pay, a fair pay? Is this a, a job that's challenging enough where they're not going to be bored all day? Is this the kind of work they want to do? What's the purpose or the business need of the job? Not just the purpose of the company, but the purpose of the job relative to the company's purpose. How are they going to spend their time? What kind of impact will they make? This section is where the candidate is spending a little time actually looking at the job posting, right? They're, they're looking for reasons to keep that role in consideration. Much like a recruiter filtering through 100 resumes, they're just usually looking to throw stuff out. Information here keeps you in the mix, right? Looking like every other job posting means you aren't competing for attention so much as you're hoping that you're the first role they see, I guess. It's not how you want to compete. You got to get very specific about what the job is and why they should want to do it. Fourth section, the work experience. What is the experience of being in the role? What does it really feel like? What is the office like? Is it rigid? Is it fluid? Is it flexible? Is it stuffy? Will they be expected to grow? What kind of support will they be given that helps them grow? Do you trust employees to do great work or they, should they expect to be micromanaged? Will they be reading from a script? Will they be able to, to kind of build their own kind of work as they go? A lot of the motivation stuff we've already talked about lives here. This is where the reward aligns with the motivation. And this is where 20 to 40 potential roles gets narrowed down into a handful that are really, well, the ones a candidate feels good about. Right? A bad rating or a scandal can shake the opportunity straight out of the set, but these are the jobs that the candidate will start to project themselves in, trying to see if, if this is a fit that makes sense. Last section, personal and professional satisfaction. <laughs> that said, this is a trick. This isn't a level you can build content for. It's more of a, a North Star, an aspiration that all your content, when absorbed together, should align towards. It is tricky because you can't state that someone will be professionally satisfied with this job any more than you can say that that car or shoe will make you happy. Why? Well, it can't. It just can't. Shoes can only can't make you happy. If you've handed me shoes, uh, they're not going to make me happy. Now, the right kind of shoes might make me happy, but that's based on me, not you. And if you don't know what shoes would make me happy, how can you say that shoe's going to make me happy? And if an ad went and said, hey, join this company, you'll be professionally satisfied, no one would believe it. That's just insane. Now, the ad can suggest it, it can allude to it, but outright saying it is like when a lawyer promises you'll go free. It's not up to them, so they can't make that promise, and neither can you. So don't get caught in the trap of over-promising just because you know it's what they want to hear. What kind of content to share? So while all that stuff helps you get a sense of how people want information and in what order they absorb it, I haven't actually said what the content you should share is, right? We've still been being vague about that. We're going to fix that. So let's break the hierarchy into a little more granular sections to see what kind of content you should be filling it with. 
Okay, so if we're talking about that first bottom layer, that company or brand layer, well, that's interesting. So if you start by being a known entity, right, if you're a company that everybody knows about, you might not have to do much here. You might just have to leverage what already exists in the world, right? All the FANG companies, the Mayo Clinic, uh, SpaceX, Nike, Coke, Disney, all those companies, yeah, they don't have to worry about whether a candidate's heard of them. Let's be fair. But how well you're really known and what you're known for, well, that's interesting. Are you well known in the industry but not outside the industry? I know great companies who are super, super famous inside their insular space, but that brand awareness does not extend. Or there are companies that are big kind of corporate behemoths, but they're not consumer brands you're really aware of, even though their subdivision products are stuff you may use every day. So this might be great if you're poaching, but it doesn't help you connect to the people outside the industry or people who don't know your products. Google yourself to know for sure. You really need to go by Googling your own company name and even actually tag on things like working at company name. Start by making it very clear from your content point of view who you are, what your company does, and what it stands for. Talk about how big you are, how small you are, if you're public, if you're private, how you're funded, what kind of consumer outreach you have or consumer reach you have. This is the sort of stuff that should already be on your corporate website probably, but you might want to rewrite it for this specific audience in this specific context, right? There's, don't worry about repurposing or copying. You're trying to package this up for a different audience. This isn't for investors. This isn't for consumers. This is for candidates, which means all the information may be out in those other parts of the website, but you can collect it in one spot. Now, again, just because you know you doesn't mean anybody else knows you. So feel free to spell it out a bit. Now, for people just getting to know who you are, well, this is where you roll out news stories about awards you've won and papers you've published and lists you've been on and charitable events you've sponsored, right? This is where you start to build the base of the pyramid. So the goal is to establish the company as credible. This is where facts and details are useful. The next layer is location. So when we talk about location, an address is really useful, but it's only the first step. Right? I, there's still plenty of companies who, when I see their job postings, I have to do a lot of work to figure out where this job is. I mean, I'm not like, is it in Cleveland, but is it in a suburb of Cleveland? Is it downtown? How easy it is to get there? Location isn't just about zip code. Really, the human experience of location is about the commute, if you have to move, what kind of environment is it in, uh, how prospects' day-to-day -day life might change if they work there. You might start by adding a Google map to the career site to let someone see in seconds what kind of commute they can expect and what kind of options, travel options they have. But that's just a start, right? If in Chicago, you need a place right off an L stop or a Metro stop. That's more desirable than a place that's kind of off in the burbs where the only option to get there is driving. Your office might be a mile further away from my current job, but if I don't have a car, it might as well be a million miles away. So what about asking people to move? If you're trying to ask someone to move from Cincinnati to Toronto, what does that mean? The distance isn't actually that much. It's only about 100, 200 miles, right? It's just over a big lake, roughly. But it's a different country. It's different costs. It's different cultures. It's different rules. There's a lot of difference there. And without the kind of information of what it's like to move from Cincinnati to Toronto, it's really easy for a candidate to go, yeah, no, and shrug it off. 
right? It's easy for them. Remember, they're at that stage where they're filtering stuff out. So giving them stuff that lets them filter it out means that they will. If you deliver, however, a package that talks about your city, what the perks are of being there relative to other cities, you know, local cities or potential current cities, testimonials from people who've made the leap and moved that, made that, that, that big move, you've got a better shot at getting them to consider learning more. Remember, it's not about getting them to apply. At this stage, it's still just saying, don't filter us out, keep learning. When someone's at the office, what's around them? Is there daycare, shopping, food, coffee? If the, if the candidate has to manage daycare, how does the office change things? If they have to bring their own food or is there, are there gonna be options close by? Will those options be fast food or something else? Do you offer in-office food options? Remember, you're asking people to spend eight to 10 hours of their life with you, assuming they're not remote. Where they spend it is as much a matter of location as environment. A page on your career site that just shows a dozen pictures of the building, local amenities and atmospheres, they seem small, but it helps people picture themselves there. But again, not gonna close the deal. It's just there to keep you in the consideration set. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Next section, job or role. Now you might think that leaning on your job posting here is enough to explain what the job is, but that's only true if you're really good at your job postings, right? And I feel pretty confident that you're not. Sorry, I mean, it's it's my job to be honest and here we are. But even if you did have a great job posting, there's still so much more you could be doing to explain what the job is and how someone might succeed in it. You ever do that activity in second or third grade where you had to write complete instructions on something simple like how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something? And then the teacher would try to follow those instructions very exactly, like to the letter, just to illustrate how much information the writer assumed was shared but didn't actually get expressed, right? No matter how descriptive the instructions, the teacher would end up trying to spread the peanut butter with the handle of the knife because you didn't say to pick it up by the handle or they'd smear jelly over the unopened bag of bread because you forgot to say, remove a piece of bread. Or maybe they ended up putting peanut butter on the crust edge because you weren't clear as to what part of the bread the ingredient should go on, right? That, I think about that activity from grade school a lot because it really clarifies the, the difference between what we know to be true in our heads and how we express it, it's different. There's a big, big gap. So when you say in the job posting that the applicant should have excellent written and speaking skills, you might be saying that a lot of this job is communicating with individuals on how to do their job. But it also reads like you're expecting them to speak in front of an audience or write the user manual. They both fall under the category of written, you know, excellent written and spoken communication skills, but they're very different kinds of skills. Even if you've gone through the previous section of the book and made the bullet in that kind of magic bullet formula, you should still open up here. If you're a lawyer, you know, as an example, 
You might assume you can just lawyer up the posting, giving it so much description for every possible context and situation so that something that used to be called wear appropriate attire will turn into a three-page contract the candidate will need his own lawyer or her own lawyer to unravel. Think I'm joking? Go look at any of your vendor contracts and find the pages on the rules that exist purely for situations that only occur every seventh blue moon. That's, that's how legal lawyers think. But remember, this isn't a legal document, it's a marketing document. So instead of trying to cram words to solve this problem, think about finding ways to describe the role that allows the candidate to put themselves into the role. Let them, give them an opportunity to see themselves becoming successful in this role. Now, one way to do this is to annotate the, the job post with photos and videos. Now, that's not something you see every day, right? You, video is becoming more popular now, but I still don't see very many photos in a job posting. Probably because when you put a job posting in your ATS, even if you embed videos and photos, when you push it out to the big job boards, those job boards strip all the HTML out, right? Especially photos and videos. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if someone on LinkedIn doesn't see the video because when they click on apply in LinkedIn, they're coming to your career site and they're going to get more information. If they've clicked that apply and they've given you an intent to apply, keep selling, keep explaining, keep giving them more information. Let them sit on that website and watch that video for a minute or two or five or whatever it is. Give them more information. Now, one simple way to add video or photos is to ask the hiring manager to take their phone and a selfie stick, walk around the office a little bit, get to the desk of the person they're trying to hire for, and explain as they're walking, who would be successful in this role and why someone should see it as a big opportunity. That just little walk around, that little kind of casual chat fills in so many gaps with visuals and non-textual clues that a posting by itself simply can't do. You could also ask people doing the job right now to describe it in an interesting fashion. You know, maybe turn into a page on the career site. Get three accountants to describe their job using only Excel and bookkeeping terms, right? And you're gonna have a page or a video that might put me to sleep, but it's gonna feel like a hot new Netflix series to an accountant, right? These are strange things indeed. This is not tough. It just takes a little focus, a little understanding of who you're trying to reach, what they care about, what information they need at this stage, and then just get a little creative. The goal here isn't to create some sort of reference entry about what the job is, but to make someone or more specifically, the right someone, feel like they found a place where they can grow, where they can thrive, where their needs are met, where their motivations are met, right? Go back to those motivations. What do you offer? What do you give them? Make sure that's clear in this content. Make sure they can see how they're making an impact or they have opportunity or they have status. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Bring all that emotion and projection into this space and that will play a huge role, far more than anything a lawyer can add or a lot of text can add. The work experience section. Now when people in our profession think we should make some content, usually this is what they're thinking about. This is the section they think about when they think about content. They want to make an Instagram picture of folks having fun at the holiday party or what a team celebration looks like or a video of everybody surprising Jane in the baby shower. This content is okay. It checks a box called make some content. But what does that content say? What should it tell the candidate? What should it make them understand about your company? What should it make them feel? 
Now, as every good content strategist knows, content for the sake of content without a strategy or an intention is absolutely wasted time and energy. It's the thing you need to stop at all costs. Now, I'm not saying that the content elements are bad. It's just that if you're going to build content, it needs to fit within a strategy that all the other pieces align to. A baby shower video is amazing if you're trying to support an idea that everybody in this company supports one another. It doesn't reinforce the idea that you're innovative. It doesn't talk about how you're focused on performance. So you have to be specific about what you want it to say. A picture showing a team celebration celebrating a success, well, there's a team with a clear goal. They work hard. They, they do what, it can, what they have to to deliver. It might undercut a message that you're on a mission-driven space or you develop your people over time. It might not support those messages. I mean, unless the success you're celebrating is clearly connected to some of those professional development kind of messages and it should be framed and stated as such. Your holiday party photos, okay, they're great at supporting a message of performance if it's clear that you're celebrating a success of a year and not just hey, it's a, it's a religious or secular winter holiday, yay, right? That, that's not telling you much that connects to motivations. Now, at some point, agencies, yes, I'm blaming agencies, they fooled us, and not, by the way, not just recruitment marketing agencies, I mean all creative and marketing agencies. They fooled us into thinking that we needed to build an editorial content calendar and fill those calendars up every single week. And I should know, I used to manage a team of 19 people who were tasked with exactly that. It stoked the sense that every hospital needed to have a lot of Nurses Week content, and that's hashtag Nurses Week, or somehow it was missing out. But it never did, we never did the research or even asked if nurses being communicated to had time to browse the hashtag, or if they cared, or if that spoke to them, or if they saw it, what would they want to see that mattered? We helped a client expect regular content and then filled the need, whether it made a difference or not. So let's start by breaking free of the tyranny of the editorial calendar as a bucket to fill instead of as a model to help focus our thinking about what we're trying to say. In fact, in the next section, I'll show you how to ideate new content. But for now, focus on looking at the content you have and how it can attract the applicants and validate the candidate interest. How does it connect to the motivation? How does it connect to your EVP? If it doesn't, Throw it out. It starts by knowing your position, your motivations, your EVP. And you only, and you're committed to only building content that supports that idea. Now, don't be scared to throw out or reject content that doesn't support, directly support that position. I mean, there are always political reasons why you have to do so, but it makes sense to put the holiday picture up where your CTO is doing a goofy dance because they think it's funny. We all make those short-term compromises every once in a while. Like, that, that's just life, right? But we do it to create long-term wins. So just tuck it towards the back. You reframe it to talk about how it meets that motivation. Yeah, you might have to bend it a little bit, but you can get it there. It's not going to be your best content, but you're serving both the political need, but also reinforcing your position. So you can find lots of ways to use stuff like that over and over again. Now, the fastest way to recycle content is to reformat it. So if you take a, an interview article and turn it into a podcast, you can turn it into a series of animated quotes, uh, you can turn it into a short video, you can take quotes from five different interviews or articles and stick them together to make a page about how committed you are to a single idea, though that idea being touched on by all those different interviews. This is easier as more and more of the company embraces the employer brand 
and they naturally start to talk about those things. Trust me, that's a separate conversation, but it's true. Turn the article into a video. Take the transcript of the video and turn it into raw material for an article. All these things can be turned into a dozen tweets or Facebook posts or Instagram photos. You think a candidate's gonna get bored seeing the same stuff over and over again? They won't. Why? Because candidates, they don't hang around. Like they're not looking at job boards and job content for over the long haul, right? They're busy looking at other stuff. Again, you're competing against Ryan Gosling. You think they're going to subscribe to you to compete with Ryan Gosling? No, they're looking at your content in a transactional manner. I want to learn this thing, so I'm going to go learn this thing. And the second they get the job or don't get the job, they stop looking at that stuff. So there's kind of a window in which that content is relevant. So reusing it, they don't notice that. And if it's good content, you should absolutely reuse it. Find the intersection of what the job feels like, that emotional thing, and how the job makes an impact on the people who work there. The goal isn't to sing the praises of how great the coffee is, but how the company spends money on great coffee because that's how it supports its people as they do some amazing things. These are the stories that hook into people's minds and don't let go. The tricky part may be trying to use these content pieces as a means of attraction and be part of the hierarchy. As a part of the hierarchy, you're assuming that the reader already knows the brand. They already approve a location on some level and can start to see themselves in the job, right? They have the skills you're looking for. They are qualified candidates. In this model, the intention of the content is to get someone to start to think about the job as a means of professional satisfaction. They're going to project themselves into the job and see how six months later, they're doing things that make them feel good about that choice. They get the, if you can get the prospect thinking about that, not only will they apply, they're going to become excellent interview candidates as they've probably done a lot of thinking about the role and have mentally accepted it. But if you're trying to use this content as a means of attracting a cold prospect's attention, these folks may not have the benefit of knowing you or the company or the job. That shouldn't stop you. The great story right, can have multiple uses. Just be sure to look at and evaluate each piece of content based on how you're using it. That story about how you only serve your staff great coffee, it's a way of showing your support for companies, which works great for a data scientist interested in understanding how a company treats its data people. Great. You can use the same story as a way of attracting attention of a cold prospect you happen to know loves coffee. Is it a gimmick? Yes. But it sometimes works. But just throwing that video on Facebook and thinking that people wandering by is going to say, ooh, cool, it's not going to work. Without the context of why the video is indicative of your company, people are just going to wonder, does this company sell coffee? I don't understand. Maybe they'll wander away. Make sure you're properly framing the context for success with the intention of moving the prospect to the next step, regardless of what that next step is. Personal and professional satisfaction. Okay, so I already set up flat out that it's a mistake to try and build content around this space, something that says very specifically you'll be happy and successful here. And maybe if a marketing genius like George Lois or Lee Clow could took a shot at it, maybe they could find a way to make it happen. Yeah, but for the rest of us mere mortals, it's almost certainly not going to work. Don't do it. Just, just don't do it. You're going to be far better served by focusing your efforts and energies elsewhere. But... Knowing that this is what you want great talent to feel is still a very useful aspiration. It's a North Star. I see so many videos and articles that are tr clearly trying to prove how cool or fun or interesting they are, forgetting that cool is attractive, but it's all frosting and no cake. Why pick a cool company? 
No cool company stays cool for very long, so what's after that? You can ride a scooter in the office? Yay, how amazing. But how does that make me happy? How does that make me feel excited to wake up every Monday morning and get to work? That's the question you need to be answering. Think of this instead as a manifesto. Stop building empty content. Stop praising the things that don't matter just because they're easy to praise. What if you started telling stories of people who bounced from job to job, who were smart and talented, just never felt like they belonged or never felt at home, that never really fit? They were really curious about what felt like the wrong things at the wrong time, too focused on results in cultures that were process-driven, right? You're not saying, here's proof that you'll be happy here, but instead you're saying, this is the kind of person who finds happiness and success here when other places didn't work. Now, your mileage may vary, but what would professional satisfaction look like and feel like to you? Maybe consider that. People can't be given happiness. It, it's just impossible. But you can point them in a direction where they can find it themselves because ultimately, being able to find it themselves means they continue to find it them, themselves, which means they stick around. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, what are we going to talk about next week? Next week, we're going to talk about content frameworks. Ooh, this, 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 for content strategists, this is the fun stuff. We'll talk about it more next week. Bye. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.